0: Good morning, my friends. I'm Pastor Stephen Brooks, and welcome to our midweek Bible study called Morning Glory. I'm so happy that you are here today. Why don't you join me in your Holy Bible here in the book of James, chapter 4, verse 1. Let's talk about the struggle between the two natures. You have two natures on the inside of you, and we want to make sure that one wins and that one stays crucified. Let's pray for a moment. Heavenly Father, we ask that as we jump into your word, that your Holy Spirit would bring illumination of your word. We can take it. We can apply it to our lives today, and so that we can live in the peace that the Lord has made available for us to experience. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name, we all agree and say amen. Now, James chapter 4, verse 1. Where do wars and fights come from among you? Do they not come from your desires for pleasure that war in your members? What are the members? The members are the parts of your body. Your feet sometimes want to go in the direction they shouldn't go. Your hands maybe want to touch something or do something or experiment with something that God's word says, no, that's out of bounds your mind, your thought life can have a struggle almost like a war going on. Should I do this or should I not do this? Should I give this offering or should I keep it for myself and go buy something that quote makes me happy unquote? Should I should I be selfish or should I be selfless? Should I live for God or should I endeavor to gratify these urges of the flesh? So there's a war that can go on within your members. And what we want to understand is that you have two natures that are inside of you. Okay, you have an old nature and you have a new nature. And the old nature is a little bit like poison oak from the perspective that if you've ever had poison ivy or poison oak, you know that you can scratch and scratch and scratch, but yet, as much as you scratch, the, the itching sensation doesn't go away. Matter, matter of fact, you can scratch so much that you start tearing your skin up, and some have done that thinking, I've got to get rid of it. Well, here's the problem. The oil that's on those plants that are poisonous, when you rub against it, that oil goes in to your skin, goes through your skin, and is actually resting underneath your skin. So you can take a, a wire brush and scratch and try to get rid of it. You're not going to get rid of it. It is now on the inside of you. Now, there are some some things that you can take at the drugstore, one product particularly that will get rid of it very quickly. But I want you to understand it's very similar to the the old nature that's on the inside of you. You are born again. You now have a new nature. Okay. You have a new nature and the Lord wants you to live in the new nature, which is his nature and not allow the old to like hijack your life and start dictating how it is you're supposed to live. So that's why sometimes it can feel like there's a war going on on the inside of you. Your body can have urges and can have uh, desires to want to do things that are not right in the eyes of God. And your spirit wants to serve the Lord and wants to do what's right. So there's this battle between the flesh and the spirit going back and forth. Now, the Lord wants you to have peace. He doesn't want you to live in this constant state of friction and fighting where where one day the spirit man is dominant and you you live for the Lord. And the next day you just had a total flesh breakdown, uh, said things you shouldn't have said, maybe uh, did things you shouldn't have done. And you're just like, you know, it defeated me again. Okay. So there is victory. There is a way, and we want to talk about it today. And I also just want to give you some understanding of what's taking place when you wonder, what's going on with me? I'm saved. I love Jesus. Why is there still a pull on the inside of me at times to want to think bad things or to want to do bad things? That's because you have two natures, and you're always going to have these two natures until there comes a a change. Now, uh, when I talk about the change, it won't be in this lifetime. So since you're in this uh, earth and you're living in the the suit of your body, which is the kind of the the house that you live in while you're on the earth. Okay. You need to know how to win this struggle. Let's go now to the book of Genesis. Very easy to find. First book in the Bible. Praise God. Genesis chapter 25. And let's begin in verse 21. Now, Isaac pleaded with the Lord for his wife because she was barren and the Lord granted his plea, and Rebekah, his wife, conceived. But the children struggled together within her. Now watch this. The children struggled together within her, and she said, if all is well, why am I like this? So she went to inquire of the Lord. Now, I'm glad that she went to inquire of the Lord and didn't go to some other voice, that would just tell her what she wanted to hear some you know unsafe psychiatrist or something like that but she wanted to know really truly what is going on on the inside of her and the lord said to her two nations okay two nations are in your womb two peoples shall be separated from your body one people shall be stronger than the other and the older shall serve the younger now, what's going on here with this dear woman of God who loved the Lord, but realized, hey, there's a struggle going on on the inside of me, and I don't know what's up. The Lord told her, there are twins struggling on the inside of you. Now, you have the two boys. One is Jacob, one is Esau. This is really a picture in the Old Testament of a struggle between the flesh And the spirit, okay? Jacob represents the spiritual, and Esau certainly. When we read his life and study about him, he represents the carnal. This is a struggle going on, and we see it portrayed in a prophetic sense here. This can be very interesting. Now we see that Esau, he was birthed first, but right, literally on his heel was his brother, verse 25, and the first came out red. He was like a hairy garment all over, so they called his name Esau. Afterward, his brother came out, and his hand took hold of Esau's heel, so his name was called Jacob. This is very interesting. Esau comes out first. You can be born again, saved, and love Jesus with all of your heart, but still have these Esau elements in your life that are fleshly and carnal, and they can even be in some ways predominant. But although Esau may be popped out first, Jacob has the potential to arise and be the spiritual force that God intended for him to be. And thus Esau, never realized God's potential for his life, was not interested in God's plan for his life. But Jacob, representing the spiritual, matured into the man that God wanted him to be. And the Holy Spirit is going to help you to mature into the man or woman that God wants you to be. And you will become the spiritual person that Christ has made it possible for you to become. Don't let any failures or defeats discourage you. The battle is turning. Praise God. I was talking to a friend way back in high school one day. He was a Christian friend. I was a Christian. He was a Christian. And he said, Stephen, he said, I pulled up behind this car. Now he goes to a different church, but we both love the Lord. He said, I pulled up behind this car and the car had a bumper sticker on the license plate and it said, honk if you love Jesus. I said, well, did you honk? He said, yes, I honked. And it's, he said, I guess when I honked, I honked my horn at, at him, you know, at his bumper sticker, right when the light had just turned green and he hadn't moved yet. So he, he probably thought like I was honking, like hurry up, you know, put your foot on the gas pedal. So the guy with the car with the bumper sticker that said, honk if you love Jesus, when my friend honked, that guy thought, you know, somebody's honking at me, telling me to hurry up. So he reaches his hand out the window of his car, back to pointing towards my friend and gave him the universal finger signal that meant go to not heaven, but the other place. So my friend was like, wow, I can't believe that guy driving around with a car with a bumper sticker representing the Lord. And he's you know, giving people the finger. I mean, so crazy, crazy stuff. What's going on with that? You have a Christian that is struggling with the two natures on the inside of him, and Esau is winning. <laughs> oh my goodness. And, you know, we see this certainly even in the New Testament. How about this? First Corinthians chapter three, you'll, you'll not find a better example probably than the church At Corinth. And this is what Paul said to them. And I, brethren, could not speak to you as to spiritual, but as to carnal, as to babes in Christ. So Paul said, You're not spiritual. Oh, but Pastor Stephen, they moved in the gifts. Yes, technically, they moved in all nine of the gifts. They had the gifts just exploding in their church, miracles and signs and wonders and things like that. And Paul said, But you're not spiritual. Uh, I have to talk to you like you're a bunch of babies spiritually because you haven't grown up. Verse two, I fed you with milk and not with solid food for until now you were not able to receive it. And even now you are still not able for you are still carnal for where there are envy, strife, and divisions among you. Are you not carnal and behaving like mere men? In other words, the struggle of the two natures, the old nature and the new, they're not really moving into the new, although they're born again and saved. Oh yes, they're, they, they love God. They belong to the Lord, but the flesh just constantly was getting the upper hand on them to the point when Paul gave instructions about receiving the Lord's communion. He said, some of you are even getting drunk. You, you're like turning this into like some kind of like a gluttonous meal. And he said, some of you are literally, you're getting drunk before the others even show up to take communion together. So there was a lot going on there of carnality. And this is something that as believers, they were endeavoring to, uh, you know, Paul was really trying to help them. Now, look, we understand there's grace because when you look at the culture of Corinth, and where these believers had come from, and they're getting saved, brand new every day. You know, these are these are grown men and women that hear the gospel, they get saved, and they are coming out of uh, anything you can think of. A, a lot of what we have today, they had it back then, and they had uh, they had temple prostitutes, they had every form of sexual perversion that you could think of, uh, just everything going on in that city of Corinth. There were a lot of pagan temples in that city. So a lot of stuff that they are coming out of gross darkness. They give their hearts to Jesus. They belong to the Lord, but they are endeavoring to learn how to get their flesh under and not let Esau boss them around, but let Jacob be the potential of what it is they're going to step into. And it took time. It took time. And it is important to understand while God wants us to move in the gifts of the Spirit and uh, understand the anointing and things like that, still God wants you to have peace in your life, so that you're really you're having what I would call victory—not just out in public, but most importantly in your personal life. Praise the Lord. So I really believe that we have to go deeper, because even Paul told the church in Corinth, uh, "I've been feeding you with milk." and you're really not ready for the things I would like to teach you and I would like to share with you. Now, the church in Ephesus was very, very different. It was a very powerful church, and even Paul, when he would travel and preach, would talk about those when he shared the gospel, uh, would just, you know, give him a hard time about it, but he talks about also when he went and ministered to the Bereans and said they were more noble-minded. They actually checked the scriptures and validated what Paul was teaching and sharing, lining it up with the Word of God. So I believe that I'm speaking to the noble Bereans. I believe I'm speaking to those who say, I don't want this war to be something that the flesh thinks it's going to just have these constant victories. I want to have peace and I want to be living in the life of the Lord. In other words, you want to be truly spiritual, not fake where you act like you are. And, but, but, in your own secret life, you have all kinds of things where the enemy is laughing because he knows there's an imbalance here. So the word of God gives us amazing guidance on how to deal with these situations. Let's go now to the epistle of 1 John chapter 1, and let's go down to verse 8. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If you were to look at this in the Greek, the context in the Greek is really stating this. If we say that we have no sin nature, Oh, Pastor Stephen, I I belong to Jesus, and now that I belong to him, I'm never going to sin again. Now, now we all know that that's a lie. (laughs) Now, it's good to have good intentions, to be a person of faith, that you're going to be committed to living for the Lord. But as long as you are in that body, you still have to contend with the sin nature. If we say that we have no sin nature, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. Years ago, it was, about, it was about 15 years ago, I ministered in a certain city to uh, a group of Christian businessmen. They loved the Lord, they were spirit-filled, but they had, uh, this group had gotten off into a fad, some kind of, an, an unscriptural fad. Uh, the, the men primarily in the group were, were older men in their late 70s, early 80s. And while they believed the Bible and, you know, the good teachings of God's word, they had got over into a deceptive teaching where they actually thought they were never going to die. They just said, you know, uh, Brother Stephen, we're going to live uh, forever and we're never going to die. And uh, I said, that's not scriptural. And I tried to point out some scriptures to them, and they're like, oh, no, no, no. We have special revelation that we're just going to keep on living and we're never going to die. Well,. You know, you, I, I couldn't argue with them, and I, I wasn't going to. I, I If they weren't going to accept God's word and the scriptures that I gave to refute that false teaching, then there's not much I could do for them. Now, I, I thought, well, it would be nice to go back and minister at their place again, uh, but that's not a possibility. Why, Pastor Stephen? Well, because they're all dead. <laughs> they lived their lives out, and they died, and uh, now the meetings are not held there anymore because... The men that were leading those meetings, they've all passed away. They said they wouldn't, but they did. So there can be deception, and you can be deceived in a way thinking, I'm never going to sin anymore. No. You have to be careful. We all have to deal with that sin nature. And even though you can be saved and sanctified and have a deep walk with God, be careful. The sin nature is still there. Even when you get it under you still must be on your toes as long as you're on this planet. There is potential that we could just uh, let ourselves go and that nature could, be, could begin to rise back up. When you think about the Apostle Peter, the early chapters of the book of Acts, chapters 4, uh, chapters 5, and so forth, you see Peter moving in tremendous anointing to the point to the degree where those who were placed within the proximity of his shadow, if you just got within that arc of that radioactive power, that glory zone that he was in, and it's just radiating out from him. If you got within the, the, the reach of his shadow, you were instantly healed. Oh, well, Pastor Stephen, he must have reached a level of holiness and such a deep walk with God that he never probably had to worry about his flesh another day of his life. No, no. uh, If you read the book of Galatians, you'll find the apostle Paul having to rebuke Peter publicly because Peter had compromised a key doctrine. Now, he didn't compromise his faith, but he did compromise areas uh, of doctrinal importance that he, taught, he just completely backed off on because he wanted certain, how can I say, celebrity ministers to accept him or those who still held to the old covenant, the Mosaic law. And, you know, I, I can understand. Look, they, they, all of the early Christians, they were all Jewish. So they were, they were having to navigate from the old covenant into the new covenant. And the new covenant is based on faith, in Christ and his atoning sacrifice at Calvary. The old covenant was based on works and you doing what the law said. If you did it, you got blessed. If you messed up, you got judgment. Okay. So they are moving into the new covenant through faith in Christ, and they are learning new kingdom principles. So it was, it was a big step over, a big transition over. So Peter just, he blew it and he compromised. Whenever the leaders from Jerusalem came down, he pretended to still kind of lean towards the old covenant teachings of, you know, works and don't eat this and you can't eat that and you can do these things. And Paul said, hey, yeah, Peter, in front of all of these people, you're acting like a hypocrite. So that's really the message of, of Galatians. You're not saved by works. You're not justified by works. You're not justified by the law. It's impossible. You can only be justified through faith in Jesus Christ, who He Himself paid the penalty for our sins. So we put all of our trust in His atoning work, and then we're good to go. And so, even Peter. After having such high mountaintop experiences, you find him later being rebuked by Paul for hypocritical behavior simply because he wanted certain people to receive him and accept him. That's basically what we would call the spirit of fear of man. Well, my friends, we thank God that although the sin nature the old nature, can try to dictate and usurp the life that God wants us to live. Greater, however, is he that is in us, and then he that is in the world, and even the old sin nature that would try to give us trouble. The Holy Spirit indwelling within us, and the life of Christ within us offers us the potential to live like Christ in the earth. Praise the Lord. This is very, very important. You cannot eradicate the sin nature out of your body, okay? You have a mortal body. You are living in this world, and as long as you're alive and you're hearing this, you cannot eradicate the sin nature out of your life, out of your body. But, but you can arrest it, you can subdue it, and you can keep it under so that you're not living in this constant state of war, but you come into a place of peace, and it is beautiful. It's very, very beautiful. Paul himself spoke about this in the book of Galatians. Let's go over there right now to the book of Galatians. Chapter 2 verse 20. Now, I'm going to read this verse, and for many of you that have been in the faith for some time, you will instantly recognize this verse. But it's one thing to be able to quote it or to know about it. It's another thing to actually be able to say it and mean it and that it is true in your life. So here it is. Are you ready? Galatians chapter 2, verse 20. Paul said, I have been, okay, not that he's going to one day, not that he hopes to or wishes that he could ever get there. He said, I have been crucified. Now, crucifixion is a putting to death. We understand this is a reference to dying. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me and the life which I now live in the flesh. I live by faith in the son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Praise the Lord. A very wonderful minister who I I know well, he's a very good man. He had apostle Lester Sumrall come to his church to minister. And this this minister, this pastor that I know very well, uh, because he lives in a very affluent city. And this city has one of the most beautiful malls, not only in America, but in the world, uh, you know, so he thought, well, maybe apostle Sumrall would like to go to the mall. Now at this time, Dr. Sumrall is in the late stages of his life. And all he's trying to do is still get as many souls saved as he possibly can. And that's all that's on his mind. And also he's endeavoring to transfer the anointing to the next generation because he knows his time is short. And it indeed was short. He passed away just, I think, about two years later. Well, he comes to this church, and this pastor friend of mine, dear, dear man of God, said to him, Dr. Sumrock, can I take you to the mall so that you can walk around and do, and do some shopping? He said, the mall... He said, What would I want to go do something stupid like that for? Now, look, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with shopping. I'm not saying that it's not fun even to walk through the mall. But to him, his life was so laid down, he didn't care about stuff like that. Well, Pastor Stephen, where did he get his suit at? Where did he get his shoes at? I, I don't know. But all I'm saying is that if he needed to buy a suit, he'd probably just go somewhere quickly, buy it, get sized, buy it, and he's done with that. He's not all hung up and stuff like that. He's not, he's not all like just fixated with stuff because you're not on this planet very long. And even if you live to be 85 or 95 or 100, it still goes by very, very quickly. And on top of that, we are quickly running out of time. We're already in the last days, and technically you could say we're in the last days of the last days. So, Dr. Summerall just was not into stuff like that. Why? He's, he's dead to it. He's not excited about it. And I, I'm not saying that you can appreciate nice things. I do. I, I Look, I know the difference between a $40 tie and a tie, you know, that costs $4. There, you, you, it doesn't take a genius. You can appreciate nice things, but that's not what makes up your life. That's not what makes your world go, go around. Your What makes your life operate is your walk with the Lord and and you being tied in to what's on God's heart and what His assignment for your life is, and if that's not tied into the Great Commission, then you need to make some adjustments. So Paul made that statement, I have been crucified with Christ. And you could have some believers, they could stand up and they could quote it. I have been crucified with Christ. But you look at their life, you're like, no, no, brother, you have good scripture memory. You've got that verse memorized. But no, your life is not crucified in the least bit. You are totally living for yourself. <laughs> and you certainly aren't on the cross. <laughs> now, we're not talking about literally getting up on a wooden cross and hanging. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about your life totally laid down for the Lord. And Paul said, I'm there. And if you are there, you know it. You know it. You know that Esau is under and that Jacob is operating. You know that the flesh is crucified and you're walking in the spirit. Now, doesn't mean you're perfect. No. Uh, but it does mean that really Christ is living through you and you have found out the secret. It's amazing. It's an amazing thing. Glory to God. Let me say this. Once you do find the path into the true life, which is losing your life so that you can receive his life, once you find that path and you begin to walk on it, I've discovered that it's like a bicycle. If you've ever ridden the bicycle, maybe you learned to ride when you were six years old, and you know you spend time riding a bike as a kid, teenager, and stuff like that. Well, maybe as an adult you get busy and you haven't ridden the bike for 15 years. But did you know, and I'm sure you do, that if you get back on a bicycle, even if you haven't ridden one for 15 years, you know what? You you still can ride it. You still have that balance, you have that muscle memory and you know the route. You know the way. You know how to do it. You don't have to relearn it all over again. You're, you're good to go. Now, it's the same way. Once you find that path into the crucified life where the real joy of living is found at, if you ever deviate from it, like Peter obviously did, Peter getting kind of into the flesh and really caring about what the big wigs in Jerusalem thought more than about what God said in his own word and what Jesus personally taught him about the new covenant. If you ever find yourself having, I, I wouldn't say, I wouldn't say backslid, but I would say you're not where you're supposed to be. The The flesh is, is getting the upper hand, That I would say it's just like a bicycle. You know how to get back on it, and you've not forgotten how to ride. You need to do whatever it takes, and it's different for different people within the body of Christ. You need to do whatever it takes to get back up on that cross because that's the only safe place. Praise the Lord. Now, I do believe it's true to come into a place like this, not when you get to heaven. Nobody's walking around... Uh, you know, uh, with the cross in heaven. You know what I mean? In other words, it's not like you're going to meet any saint in heaven saying, I'm endeavoring to die to myself. No, <laughs> you're, you're out of your body. It's, it's over with. Finally, it's over with. You're out of that body that gave you so much trouble on the earth. But while you're still on the earth, yes, you're going to have to deal with the two natures, the flesh and the spirit. And you're going to have to know how to keep that flesh under. But it is possible to do it. And it is very much possible to come into a place where you can personally say it because you're living it. I have been crucified with Christ. And it's not bragging. And it's not like um, uh, you're trying to be spiritual. But you can say it in humility. I found the way. I've discovered it. And I'm living it. And Paul did. And I believe. God wants his people to find this place in him more than even spiritual gifts. Because you can be like the church in Corinth where you, you have all the spiritual gifts going on, but now, you're, but, but now your flesh is still, uh, you know, it's just, it's still going on. And now, now you're jealous. Now you're envious. You got somebody in their church saying, I'm of Apollos. And another says, well, I'm of Peter. And then another says, I'm of Christ. And then you got all these factions and divisions you know, all this carnal stuff, fighting and quarreling in the house of God amongst the saints. So this is a living reality that God wants us to come into where you can realize in your heart, I'm, I'm not the same anymore. Esau's gone under. The flesh is, we've got the victory over it. And you can say, I found that place. And you can say, I have been crucified with Christ. Praise God. Well, Pastor Stephen, how do I get into it? What really is the remedy of dealing with the old nature? Pastor Stephen, what's the secret sauce? (laughs) Well, it's a great question, isn't it? And I think in some ways it's it's more than just one thing. I think in other ways that you also have to find out what works for you. But let me just give you a few points. Here's one that works really well, and this is what worked for me. I can, all, I can only tell you what works for me. Here's one, 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 1. Now, many of you, if you know the King James Version, You know it like this. The Apostle Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ. But I think it makes a little more sense in some of the more modern versions because the English language does expand and have variation over the the years, especially over a 400-year period from when the KJV was originally put out. Now, 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 1, imitate me. That's a better translation. Paul said, imitate me, just as i also imitate you hmm paul said look i found the path i i know i know how to live this paul paul's the one that said i am crucified with christ okay so he said look i know how to get you in there so if you will imitate me as i imitate christ now if if the person's not imitating christ I don't have any interest really in following your life. I may find your life interesting. I may find it amusing. <laughs> but, but if you're not imitating the Lord, I'm certainly not going to pattern myself after you. Uh, we, want to, we want to follow those or imitate those who are following Christ. And again, Paul said you have, you have many teachers, but not many fathers. A father is somebody that you can look at And you can say that person has demonstrated how to do it, not just teaching about it, because you could have a whole lot of teachers and there's a lot of teachers that can teach real good, but they can't, they can't even live what they're teaching. And that's why if you kind of look at their life, you think, why, why am I seeing things short circuited in their life? because while they may have understanding on it, even have revelation on it, unless you make application of it and you really walk it out, then you, your message will not have the same weight. The testimony will not have the, the right resonance when you're, type, when you're trying to minister that message. But Paul could say, imitate me just as I also imitate Christ. Wow. Praise the Lord. So this is what I found. When I was really looking, particularly as a young man, when I was really looking for ways to get victory over the flesh and walk in the spirit because the war was raging, what really helped me was to identify individuals with the help of the Holy Spirit who were actually living this crucified life, who the flesh uh, was not overthrowing their life, but they were holy men and the Holy Spirit allowed me to find some holy men and basically say they're living it. So if you imitate them, in other words, if you look at what they're doing, then you can tie into what they're doing. If you want to be a good coach, then you're going to study the coaches that have good winning teams. You're not going to study somebody whose football team last season was 0 and 15. Why would you try to emulate that? Because that—that's not what you're after. You want to find out those in your respective career field who are at the top. Why? So you can emulate that, and ideally, you should. If you—if you really make those principles something that you really live by, it'll—it'll it'll start working in your life. Well, spiritually, it's the same way. So that's—that's that's what began to work for me. I began to look past, you know what's popular, what's a fad. And I began to look at now, uh, it's not that some of this stuff's not cool, but like what really, what really can help me when in this area where the struggle of the two natures is going back and forth. I'm I'm talking like a Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Mr. Hyde, where it's like a tug of war, where one day the flesh pulls you over here and the flesh wins. And the next day, yeah, I'm going to pray and I'm going to live for God. And now you're back over in the spirit but it's going back and forth back and forth. Well, you find those that are living like Paul. Hallelujah I had a, I had a remarkable encounter with the Lord one time in a vision where he shared some things with me about this this struggle and this was this was some time back when I had this vision but he told me that some of the areas that I had had struggles in he he even told me, I don't hold you completely responsible for, for that. In other words, for failure in those areas, because he said, nobody ever taught you how to live. Now, when I, I'm not saying I never heard a preacher. I had a look. I heard a lot of preachers, but the Lord was trying to convey to me, you never heard one that would demonstrate to you the victory in that area. So to be honest, it was the Holy Spirit that started revealing to me what we would know as the saints. And I would start reading about saints who had lives of purity and holiness. And the more I read, it intrigued me. And then I could see, oh, that's how they lived their life. Well, no, no, no wonder if you... If you... <laughs> and so it began to kind of uh, become like an open book. And it, it didn't mean that there weren't people today. It just meant that in my arena of exposure what I had heard growing up in church, and then kind of also a lot of mainstream Christianity, I didn't really find what I needed to help me in this area. It didn't mean that I didn't hear good teaching. It just meant in those areas of the struggle of the two nature, I couldn't, I couldn't find the answers that I was looking for. Well, as I began to dig deeper, the Lord unveiled it, and it was something that just became, became a revelation. I began to walk into it. I would say that if you really want victory, yes, study Galatians, chapter 2, the whole book of Galatians and spend a lot of time in Romans chapter 6 and chapter 8 and it'll just start to be revealed by the spirit. You start slipping into it and the next thing you know, you're walking in the victory and once you've got the victory, it's like riding the bicycle. You you've got it. All you have to do is maintain it. So, I would say emulate those and imitate those who are imitating Christ, and if you do that, if you do that, in many ways, I can, and you keep listening, and you keep making those applications, and a lot of ways, I can just predict your future, not that I'm trying to, you know, give you a prediction, but I'm just telling you that if you follow after those that are strong in the Lord, and I'm not trying to say, this is the type of a person I am, I'm just trying to say, We need to be able to recognize what is pop culture and pop culture that permeates into the church that's not going to help you get victory over the flesh. And you need to be able to get all that stuff sorted out because there's stuff out there that's not going to help you at all. It may be fun to listen to, but when the rubber meets the road, you can't, You can't live the life like these other strong men and women in the word lived or the saints lived. You're just like, why, why can't I get into that? Well, could be that some of the wrong voices are speaking things to you that just can't, they can't get you there. You know why? They don't know about it. There are a lot of things that the Lord will only unveil to those who are hungry. If you're really hungry and you really want it, then the Lord sees that, and He will honor that. He'll begin to give you exposure, begin to give you answers, and now you can come into it. But for those who aren't interested, it's just like it's like veil, it's veiled to them. Mm-mm. But look, when you get to heaven, wow, you can be a person that your works are not burned up because there's going to be a lot of stuff, and the life of a lot of believers, and even a lot of Christian ministers. That they think it was a great work, it's just going to go up in smoke. It's what Paul said is going to be wood, hay, and stubble, and people may applaud it, and people may think, "Oh, that's wonderful." We're going to even put you on the on the news media. We're going to we love you, but look, look. There's just a lot of things. It's going to go up totally in smoke. But the only things that re- would remain are what Paul would say. You know, the, the gold and things that that are valuable in the eyes of the Lord. A lot of that is built on the foundation of having a life that is truly pleasing to the Lord. Mm, mm, mm. And if you'll take time to get the most important life worked out, which is yours, okay, <laughs> if you'll take the time to do that, oh, oh my goodness, wow, you'll be looking forward to your time of when you go before the Lord, because why? In a sense, you've already gone before him every day. Mm -mm. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Well, Pastor Stephen, what else can you tell me? I would tell you that you need to find a scripture that Holy Spirit illuminates to you that is the weapon that you use against the flesh, that whenever the flesh would rise up, This is your fallback scripture. This is the scripture you lean on, and I could probably give you some good suggestions. But here's the thing: you need to find it because it needs to be the living word that God speaks to you. I have a key scripture, and it'll probably be always the scripture that I stand on until I go home to be with the Lord. And whenever my flesh wants to do something, I go right back to that scripture, and and that scripture just it hits the flesh. I meditate on that scripture. I I don't deviate off of that scripture and it gets me through these things where you have to sometimes uh, take your ship through an iceberg uh, field, you know. Uh, it just keeps you grounded in the things of God. So you need to have that. You need to have that. So if the flesh tries to do its thing, you have that word in order to deal with that situation. I would also say concerning the sin nature. Remember, you have two natures. You have the flesh nature, which is the sin nature, and you also have the new life, which is the spirit nature. I would say this, that the one that you feed the most is the one that's going to win. And the one that you starve out is the one that's going to get real quiet, real quiet. Now, you need to starve out that sin nature, that flesh nature. And I'll be honest, maybe people call me an old fashioned preacher, but I think it's absolutely ludicrous when Christians that are washed with the blood of Jesus and are filled with the spirit, when they go out and watch movies that glorify horror and the blaspheming of God's name and violence and uh, just you know, they'll sit there and for three hours saturate themselves with the most profane images and words and sexual immorality. And then they'll, and then they'll wonder why they can't walk in the spirit. Well, it's because you're feeding your flesh. Now I'm not talking about eating food, real food. I'm talking about the flesh nature, the sin nature. And if you feed that, oh, the war will be fierce and that flesh nature will be getting a lot of victories. But if you starve that out, and you cut off these profane things, which in many ways, God calls them idolatry. And if you get the idols out of your heart, out of your life, then you know what? Your life will become a lot more peaceful. So if you starve out the sinful nature, while at the same time you are feeding The ravenous nature of your spirit, which wants more and more of God, which wants to worship and praise and doesn't want to listen to filthy secular music that makes you want to shake your body and take your clothes off. And uh, when you listen to pure music of praise and worship, and then you feed on the word, well, hallelujah, suddenly life becomes a lot smoother. And there is a place you keep doing that where there's a shift and there can come a defining moment, literally a defining moment. You move into that position where you can cry out like Paul. When I say cry, I'm not talking about, you know, crying with tears. I'm saying speak out with faith. And it's not a confession of faith. It's a reality. I have been crucified with Christ and the old Stephen Brooks is dead. Wow. Praise the Lord. It's, it's amazing. You can come into that. So I would say starve the bad stuff, feed the good stuff. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So my friends, as long as you're on this planet, you will have to deal with the struggle of the two natures. And the reason that the struggle can be so strong, but like a violent war, warfare in your members, is because the flesh, the sin nature, the flesh nature, has just been getting way too much pampering. Mm -mm. Now look, those of you who know me know that I love church history, and I study Church history from the perspective of global church history. I'm not just studying Protestants. I'm not just studying Catholic saints. I'm not just studying those from Eastern Orthodoxy. I study the global work that God has done throughout the church, throughout the centuries, looking for tips and tidbits that will help me in this journey. But my friends, I will say that while I am not an ascetic, somebody who would cause great discomfort to themselves. I would say this. I'm also, at the same time, not a person that's just going to sit back and do everything I can to pamper my flesh nature. How many of you know the sinful nature loves to be pampered? Mm, Just loves it. It could, it could, I mean, my flesh and your flesh could go on a 10-year cruise and never come back. Let's go on a cruise. Praise God. Yes, we need a cruise. We need to have a time where we just hit the buffet every day. We need to take a break from work. We need to take a break from this and that. We just need to be, we need to be stuffed with the world's good stuff. Hallelujah. You know what? Not within months, not within weeks, but within days. Ooh, your flesh, Will be dominating your spirit like you wouldn't believe, Pastor Stephen. We just need to take a break from the Bible. We've had too much of that word, Pastor Stephen. We need to take a break from that prayer. We've had too much spirituality. We need to get on a cruise ship and we just need to go sin a little bit. Oh no, dear Lord, no, Mm-mm, no. Do you you know the act? look? I'm not against the cruise industry. I'm not against cruise ships. But I I'm I'm not into pampering my flesh. Okay. I know nice things. I, I can enjoy a nice meal. I, I can enjoy a nice latte. I, I can enjoy, uh, you know, I, I know what a nice watch is. I know what fine clothes are, okay? But look, I, I'm not a person who's just out to pamper myself all the time. You do that, you're going to get in trouble. Mm-mm. And maybe, maybe you, you need a little touch of a set of scissors. Maybe you need to do a little fasting. Oh, Pastor Stephen, that's legalistic. No, that's your flesh saying, don't crucify me. <laughs> Smile, praise the Lord the Lord loves you amen and he has made provision through Christ and the revelations found in his word so that you can live a life that's pleasing to him in public in private and you're not you're not going to be embarrassed when you stand before the Lord you're actually looking forward to standing before the Lord. Pastor Stephen, do you believe in the rapture? Well, you know, Prophet Bob Jones was asked that one time, do you believe in the rapture? He goes, well, sure, I get raptured every day. I, I, I mean, when you are going up before the Lord and you're seeing the Lord and you are in the courts of heaven and you're having a good time with the Lord, you're, you're, you're not like, oh, I hope the rapture doesn't come today. I'd have to stand before the Lord and I'm not living right. No, you're ready to go anytime. Why? why? You're just living in that mode Mm-mm. And yes, I do believe in the catching up of the saints because I, li- I believe the Bible. I believe first Thessalonians chapter four, chapter five. I believe second Thessalonians uh, chapter two and three. I believe the Bible. I believe there is a catching up. And Jesus said, when I come, I'm coming like a thief. What he meant by that. He's coming in the sense that no man knows the day or the hour when I'm coming. So you need to be living for the Lord. Hallelujah. So yes, I find it um, very interesting the way uh, some ministers just, um, I don't know, they, they just get so, they, they, they get really, I, I, you know, some of them drink till they get drunk. I, I don't think that's good. I, I think anytime you yield control of your body to another influence, whether it's an outside influence or something coming into your body, that the moment it enters into your body, whether it's alcohol or something you smoke, uh, that you're under the intoxicant of that, look, the moment something else is under control, you're in trouble. You're in trouble. Now, I'm not saying, you know, if you need to take a medication and there's some effects, but you need to take that medication, that there's not grace for that. But if you're doing fine, why in the world would you put something into your system where the spirit is now no longer dominant, but the flesh, the flesh now has great ability to rise up and go wild. Why, why in the world would anybody do that, much less a minister? Praise God. But you know what? We all have our own choice. We all have the scriptures. I remember one time I talked to a minister, spirit filled well-known evangelist, loved God. Uh, there was a certain area that I brought up with him. And he goes, oh, Brother Stephen, he said, I know that's in the Bible. I said, yeah, it is. It's in the New Covenant. Uh, And there it is. I said, what are you going to do about that? He said, I'm going to pretend like it's not there. That's literally what he told me. He said, I know that's there. And he said, I know I should uh, tighten up in this area, but I just, you know, I I like this thing over here. (laughs) So, look, it's a choice we all have to make. And I'm just saying that there is room for you on the cross, Galatians chapter two, verse 20. And it's where the real life begins. Oh, but you know what? It's just, it's just, God leaves it into our choosing, our selection. But I believe I'm talking to those that really want to win. And the Lord told me, he said, I want you to raise up champions. I don't want you to be a typical pastor that's just trying to please everybody and make everybody happy. I have called you to raise up warriors. I said, okay, praise the Lord. So I know that you're somebody that wants to win in this area, not just when you go to heaven. I mean, hello, we're out of the body. The struggle's over. And then when you get your body back, you know, when, when that time comes, when our bodies are resurrected up and, and we get that, as Paul said, that glorified body, which is designed for eternity, for immorality, it's not going to have the sin nature in it. So it's going to be incredible. It's, you're going to be like, way be, ladies, you'll be way beyond any type of, uh, you know, fictional female comic book character. Any guy that's in the Lord, you'll you'll be way beyond Superman. I mean, you'll be like all of them uh, combined together. (laughs) Put put them all together, and you still couldn't touch what it is that you're going to be stepping into. So it's amazing. But till then, till then, always be aware that you have two natures. So my friends, make sure that you're living for the Lord and you are doing those things, uh, those principles and practices that allow you to be the spiritual person that God wants you to be. And at the same time, keeping the flesh, the sin nature under it's possible. Yes, it's doable. Yes. And by God's grace, you will be able to say, like Paul said, and mean it and believe it. And look, look, there's a knowing that comes with it. Galatians chapter two, verse 20, I have been crucified with Christ is the same thing as Galatians chapter six, verse 6, and the moment that ever happens in your life, you're like, I've, it's, I'm there. I'm living it. I know what it is. Then what do you do? You maintain it. You maintain it, and you walk in it, and you make it the primary focus of your life, because that is also that that same essence of being filled with the Spirit. All of that goes along with it together. That's why I can't just make it one thing. It's it's a little bit of a package deal. It's, it's not complicated, but it, it's being filled with the spirit. It's all of these things coming together. But yes, when it happens, you know it. And if if you've never known it, may you push and pursue and go after the Lord with all of your heart so that it can be a reality because it is, it is clearly your inheritance. God never intended for you to live in victory, defeat, defeat, victory, defeat, 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 victory. And just this constant struggle that is not God's will there's peace. There's peace for you. Heavenly Father, I pray for your people that they will work this out with you, that if there are any that are just fed up with the struggle, that they will work this out with you and find that path into Galatians 2 verse 20 and make it a reality in their lives and that they will not quit until they have found this place in you. In Jesus' name, we thank you for more than enough grace and we thank you for your peace in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise God. We're going to get ready to take communion. If you're watching today's program and you don't know Jesus, or perhaps you are also somebody that you once served the Lord and you're watching me, but you've fallen away from God and you have have not served the Lord, it's time for you to come back. And if you don't know the Lord, it's time for you to get to know him and make your life right with God. Okay, so if you're in one of those conditions, one of those situations right now, pray this simple prayer after me. Say, Lord Jesus, I come to you and I give my heart to you. Jesus, wash all of my sins away. Jesus, write my name in your book of life. And Jesus, establish me in you. Strengthen me in you. I dedicate my life to live for you and to serve you forever. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Now, for many of you that are you're away from the Lord, just thank him for a second chance. Maybe it's the fifth or sixth chance, okay? But just thank him for it, because this time it's going to stick. And this time you're breaking through. Father, we give you all of the praise in Jesus' name amen. If you prayed that prayer, I would love to hear from you, and I would love to have our prayer team be praying for you. Just write me or email me at contact at stephenbrooks.org. Let us know that you've given your heart to the Lord or that you've come back to Christ. Praise God. We want to be able to pray for you. Praise God. Now, grab some unleavened bread. Leaven in the Bible represents sin. That's why we use unleavened bread, okay? Uh, If you don't have a little wafer like this, uh, just grab what you can, maybe a cracker or something like that, and get some grape juice and let's pray. Father, we set apart now this piece of bread and the juice as holy. We pray over it and bless it because this is now communion and this is now the body of Jesus and his blood. Father, thank you for the flesh of Jesus Thank you for all of his promises. Thank you for provision for all that we need. Father, thank you for the ministry of the Holy Spirit leading us into victory. Thank you, O God. Thank you, O God. O Father, in the last days, there is deception, but we thank you that your word is our foundation and the Holy Spirit is our clarity. We thank you that you will not allow us to be deceived. So we thank you that we walk in purity and holiness. We thank you that we will be that bride that doesn't have spot or wrinkle. We thank you for the blood covering all of our sins. And we thank you that you are moving us into the mature image of your son. We thank you for good, strong discipleship of bringing others into the life of fullness and wholeness where the crazy struggle is over because the battle is won. Father, thank you for Jesus. Thank you for his body In his name. Amen. Let's receive now the body of Christ. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise the Lord. In hell, there are different levels of, of punishment those who knew the truth and rejected it and continued to do awful things will be punished in a greater degree as compared to those who rejected christ but they weren't what we would call wild sinners or those that influenced others to sin or those that tried to corrupt the innocence of those to and pull them in the darkness there's different levels of punishment in hell in heaven there are different levels of glory and rewards and access into certain things according to the way that you lived your life on the earth. Well, Pastor Stephen, if you're a Christian and we're all going to heaven, what does it matter? We could just, uh, why why not just live in the flesh and, you know, kind of enjoy the flesh and still, you know, try to make heaven? Because Paul, the apostle, talked about, being caught up into the third heaven, the first level is brilliant. It's beautiful. The second level, not many Christians can uh, be have be in a place where, as soon as they go to be with the Lord, they can go right into the second heaven, because it's so brilliant and pure that those on the first level they are they are not able to go there, and it could take them on the first level although there's no time in heaven, it could take them what we would say from an earth perspective quite some time, maybe even years before they're developed enough to even maybe even glimpse into that second. And the third heaven, the third heaven is where those who walked closest with the Lord while they were on the earth, they will be able to go into that place, a place of such brilliance that if you don't walk close to the Lord, you can't you can't, you couldn't take it. It's too, too brilliant. That's why, that's why you really want to live for him. Mm -hmm. Hallelujah. So that you can enjoy all that God has for you. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Get your life ready now. Father, thank you for the blood of Jesus. We thank you for its cleansing power. And we thank you, Father, that the blood cleanses as we walk with you, As we walk with you, it's constantly cleansing. Because, Father, not only can we sin and we need the blood to cover us and forgive us, but, Father, we're human. That means that even if we didn't sin, we still are imperfect. So we need the blood to cover us continually. And as we walk in fellowship with you, the blood cleanses us continually from all sin. We thank you for this. Thank you for the blood of Jesus. We receive it now with great thanksgiving. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Let us now receive. Woo! Praise the Lord. My friends, I've enjoyed spending time with you today. Live for the Lord. I speak to you that the tug of war is going to end, and never, never will you live like that. Spirit, flesh, spirit, flesh. But now you will move into your inheritance and stay there Strong in the Lord, getting stronger every day. Thanks for watching. I'll see you back next time. Bye-bye.